You are listening to the Evolution Exchange Podcast Australia, a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful tech leaders in Sydney. I am Vinolia. I help connect businesses with tech talent. And today I'm your host. Welcome back to another episode of the Evolution Exchange Australia. Um, today I am joined by Upal Sananayake. Uh, who is the head of data science and analytics at Macquarie, as well as um, Gabriel Ventura, who is the head of data analytics at Patrix, to discuss navigating the data frontier, um, which will involve unpacking the blueprint for data-driven success, as well as the common uh, pitfalls. Uh, Before we jump into today's topic, I'm just going to ask you guys to introduce yourselves. Um, Gabriel, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, sure. So my name is Gabriela Ventura. I'm Brazilian and I've been living here in Australia for four years. My background, basically, I'm an industrial engineer, but I've been always like a kind of passionate for maths. So all my career, like starting from logistics and then marketing and finally BI and now more like specifically data analysis and being like really mix it but always with that analytical approach and always like with that solving problems like instinct always that like a desire of like see the things being concretely solving and basically that's it i've been i worked like in big companies like l'oreal in brazil i work like in consulting as well and at the moment i work at patrick's i'm head of data analytics uh, patrick's is like a cosmetic industry for men's it's quite innovative. Like our main product basically is hair loss, which has been like kind of a boom the last like two years, as you can imagine. So it's yeah. like a, kind of like innovative and startup, but also like we sell basically more than 20 countries. We are like in big like retails like David Jones, uh, Bloomingdale's, Saks. So like it's a really big and like that's a driven company, you know, like I think you big part of like that massive growth was like using that analytics to understand the customer, understand where to be and like how to deal like with that world that is so uh, exciting and at the same time like overwhelming of information. So basically that's it, you know, really fun. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. <laughs> um, thank you for your introduction, Gabriela. Um, Upal, do you want to go next? Yeah, I can jump in. So um, my name is Upul Senanayake. I am actually originally from Sri Lanka, but I've been in Australia for about um, 12, 13 years now. Um, so I've got some time. Um, I currently work at uh, Macquarie as um, the head of data science analytics for the infrastructure and personal technology division. Um, and I've also had a pretty vivid career, but I started my career as a software engineer. So I have an engineering background, um, and then worked my way towards some um, data science analytics. Um, I've always, um, even as a software engineer, I've sort of, um, got my hands on data, uh, problems and I've solved them, um, across my career. Um, I naturally gravitated towards complex systems for uh, my master's and then completed my PhD in artificial intelligence um, and then gravitated towards um, exclusively data science analytics. Um, worked as a data scientist. Um, I worked at a machine learning engineer. I have worked as a machine learning engineer as well. Um, and um, 
it's it's been a really interesting journey um i i love when um we actually um the business and the technology get together to actually solve a problem and then you can actually see a light at the end of the tunnel oh that's that's great um all right now that we know um a little bit more about you know the both of you guys now let's talk about today's topic um you guys will you know have both brought forward questions or statements on navigating the data frontier and what i'm going to do is you know go around the room posing um you know your questions and the reason you know you guys will post the reasons behind those questions and then i'll give you guys you know an opportunity to discuss those um you know the questions so let's start with your question um upal and the question is what are the initial steps an organization should take to include data analytics in their organization um do you want to give us a bit of insight into that question i think in a nutshell um this is actually all about uh, doing data analytics right um and i've seen a lot of organizations uh, struggle with this as um, a concept not just uh, small organizations but medium to large enterprises as well um it's it can actually be such a foreign concept uh, when you start to introduce a data driven culture and uh, start to introduce data science and analytics into the um, mix of your organization um so this is essentially um almost talking about um how do you actually start doing this how do you get to this and um how do you actually do this well so that you truly become a data driven organization okay and but what are your thoughts on on that Gabriela I think it makes all sense the question because I think each company has the potential to be like a data driven <laughs> decision making company even if it's a small one I think it's much more a mindset and like a way to think and analyze than actually having big systems having AI like machine learning it's amazing but you can start start like with baby steps and like see a lot of results just like with really be basic like fundamentals let's say yeah. i completely agree i think it's um so for me i actually sort of almost um can break it down to four quadrants or four distinct points um so when an organization actually wants to uh, get into data analytics i think uh, the first uh, thing that they sort of um, need to do is they need to set the foundation if you don't have the right foundation um, you're actually doomed to fail and uh, that's that's a common mistake that i've seen in a um, few organizations especially when they start out um, in this data analytics journey so when i actually say setting the foundation um, what do i mean i'm sorry i i essentially refer to um, understanding what you aim to achieve with uh, data analytics because what you want to achieve as an organization differs from organization to organization so if you don't know what you want to achieve but you're just following a buzzword and want to get data science or data analytics into your organization um there is uh, there is a conversation to be had there because um, you don't really know what you want to get out of um, so it's likely that you'll actually get lost in the way um what sort of um, what sort of uh, aims would you want to achieve that is actually individualized and depends on the organization um for instance um we might actually want to enhance the customer experience um we might want to improve operational efficiencies or drive operational cost reductions 
or you might actually want to drive innovation. Regardless of what you want to uh, get out of it, it's better if you actually have that aim in mind. Um, uh, then the second uh, thing that I actually think about when uh, I sort of um, go on this uh, thought process is that um, building the right team and the uh, right tools as well. So um, this is about actually figuring out, okay, internally do I have the right skills to do that? And generally, when you actually talk about data analytics, um, organizations tend to think, okay, um, I actually need a data analyst or a data scientist, and um, they can actually do all of that. But that's really not the case. Data analytics is a whole ecosystem. You actually need engineers, data engineers, as well as machine learning engineers. If you are deploying models, you need um, visualization analysts um, who can actually yeah. accurately convey the solution um, to the business people and your customers, uh, good storytellers. So you need to uh, be able to put a good team together. But then the tooling is super important as well. That is uh, what breaks yeah. the camel's back because um, if you actually don't have the right tooling, something that you can do uh, with the right tooling in one month might actually take about 12 months to deliver if you are just cobbling together a couple of tools that lies here and there in your organization um i have two more things that i sort of want to touch base on but um gabriela what do you think yeah perfect like when you said about like the aim of the organization i think it, like that's the the uh, main part that people usually like oversee because they they age just like if we start to be that analytical and like how to start to improve and like you what is your objective because we can improve things in different ways or different purpose. So, for example, I, I do a lot of like digital uh, metrics, for example. So sometimes what comes, you can increase the revenue, but you would like damage your profit because you're spending too much, like be really basic. So like where the organization want to go, I think that's the first step. And sometimes this is not so clear for like people that is actually doing uh, like the day by day of the data analysis. So this is like, yeah where we want to go and like what are the uh, factors that like the the variables of that problem and how can I get that information I think that's the first things to start and then exactly what he said like the right team because one professional can do all usually you need specialists and the tendency is like you're a you're a BI you're a data uh, analyst so you can like from collect the data to treat to go and like do an amazing dashboard report or recommendation is hard to find like that unicorns <laughs> like for example some people do it but it's important and tooling for sure is like i think it's the hardest part to get there because it's not the cheapest usually and it's not the but yes yeah. you need to start you know like and at least have the base you can trust your data yeah i actually wanted to ask you about like for smaller companies that don't have the funds in terms of, you know, trying out, you know, a couple of tools, what would you suggest, you know, is, is there a way for them to save money going, you know, using, you know, cheaper tools yeah. rather than, you know, like how, what's, what's your suggestion? So um, there's actually a couple of ways you can go about doing this. Um, now, um, let me actually structure it in uh, structure it into uh, sort of three distinct sections. Um, one, if the um, organization is actually willing, 
um, they can sort of um, uh, request for tenders or request for projects and then um, actually get the different uh, experience, different tools, um, either by the presentations of um, the, uh, the, the company who delivers these tools or um, a third person as well. And then sometimes these companies can actually offer you a trial period whereby you can actually trial out their tool. Um, you can do the same thing in as individuals as well. So if you don't want to take a company-led approach, maybe as an individual, you can actually do this analysis. Um, a lot of these, um, even uh, I mean, a lot of these tools actually have as trial periods. So you can actually download them, you can um, use them, and uh, that should actually give you an understanding on whether this is the right tool for me to use or not. Um, and then the third thing I sort of want to mention is that when you actually talk about data science analytics, a lot of tools in this space are actually open source. Uh, obviously, yes, you have this large enterprise uh, tooling uh, that is provided to um, sort of medium to low, uh, large um, enterprises. But if you actually look at um, smaller players, there's a lot of um, open source offering that they can readily use without paying anything and uh, trial them out and see whether they actually fit in your portfolio um, of tools. Um, and my last note there is that uh, because nowadays we are actually doing pretty much everything in cloud, if your organization is also cloud native, then all of the uh, cloud native providers may be AWS, Azure, or GCP. All of them have their individual uh, machine learning, data science, and AI tooling. And then you can actually readily use this tooling as well. So that would be my uh, sort of adjacent point to um, the three points that I mentioned. Okay. And you, know, you spoke about, you know, the cloud providers what about the companies that are still on-prem then like how do they how do you suggest they tackle this so uh, on-prem is a very different uh, conversation i think for on-prem um so it's either going to be um software as a service pro uh, or providers or yep. you actually have to build your tech stack yourself Again, I think um, I would actually uh, go back to the initial three points I mentioned. Um, so ask for a trial or um, as a company or an individual, or yeah. maybe I'm actually source open source software as well. Um, there's again a lot of um, open source software available, even if you're actually deploying it um, on-prem. Um, the problem there is um, your um, scalability might actually be stunted uh, given um, you're actually in an on-premise environment. You might physically have to bring in um, servers and then spin spin them up, uh, drive the operational system, install the operational system and bring the tools in. Uh, so that yeah. can be a bit of a hindrance, uh, yeah. but um, it's definitely doable. Okay. So thoughts on that, uh, Gabriella? Anything to add on that? And with platforms, I think when you're really small company, like there is a lot of things that you can do, like for example, like Google Collab, like to treat like a, a database or I use like a, let's say cheaper like dashboard, like holes. So like there are possibilities, especially because when the business is small, like the database usually is like much smaller as yeah. well. So you don't need sometimes all the complexity of like, um, a proper like cloudy system but mm -hmm. i think it's always good to is always thinking how to 
keep this as a process, you know, like not a one-time analysis, but like how I want to keep collecting the data and keep analyzing and have like standard reports. So yeah. even for a small company, if they can like spend a little bit time investing that, like in the right tooling and like making a process, I think definitely worth it. Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. Um, do you guys have anything else to, to add on to, you know, that, no, no. that first question? I did have um, two more points. Uh, I think yeah. uh, those are the, uh, so again, um, uh, tying that back up, um, so the the third point I actually wanted to pick up was um, establishing a correct or appropriate data governance um, framework and also uh, fostering a data-driven culture in the organization as well. That's super important. I mean, um, oftentimes the technical challenges are actually easier to tackle than these um, change management or cultural changes. Um, so let me actually uh, revisit that and um, tell you why uh, a proper data governance practice is really important. A data governance practice can actually ensure your data quality, your data consistency, some of the things that Gabriela mentioned as well. Um, security as well and um, it also allows us to define clear data ownership moving on when you start out it might be um, okay for us to actually have things scattered everywhere but um, as you mature as an organization um, a data-driven organization you need to have delineated responsibilities on uh, data ownership data stewardship uh, things like that um, you need to ensure uh, compliance for your relevant regulators as well um, so all of these um, is actually covered by the data governance framework. Um, and then the fostering data-driven culture will actually allow everybody in the organization to be a citizen data analyst or citizen data scientist. I love this term because actually it encourages everybody to become a data analyst or a data scientist. Just pick a problem that you want to solve in your day-to-day -day activities and actually try to solve that problem. It is on us uh, to provide the tooling and the correct data to uh, so for them to solve that problem. But if they become citizen analysts or citizen data scientists, they can actually bring us innovative solutions. And um, some of these solutions I've actually seen firsthand are brilliant. And uh, they are actually um, sort of really uh, enterprise-changing solutions. Um, so that's my third point. Uh, the fourth one is more sort of... Um, a wrap around for all of the three points that I mentioned. Um, so you need to also have um, a look at how do you execute, how do you measure your performance, and also um, how do you continuously improve as well. Because um, that again, as you want to mature in your uh, data science journey, that is super important. That uh, we have um, ways to execute, we have ways to measure your performance, and then you have ways to uh, close that feedback loop and continuously improve yourself. Yeah. So I have a question, like with you both, you know, having a, a data background or as data professionals, do you guys think that data governance has like recently started booming due to, you know, all these massive companies having, you know, data breaches and everything, or do you think that's just always been there and a lot of companies are sort of like waking up to that now because of what's been happening? I think that's the second option, if I can say, <laughs> for my experience, like in big companies, we always had maybe not so structured like governance, but yeah. all had like some good practice, let's say, about that. But 
often is overseen until something like that happens. Like, yeah, and yeah. I totally understand because it's something that until you it happens, like it's hard to believe that it's gonna happen. The probability is low, but I imagine like in the in a company that live with really critical and like confidential data. Yeah, so I think that that's mandatory. I think that's the case that you can't be lazy about. Yeah, I agree, and um, I, I think it's uh, it's definitely the second one. Um, I think um, one other reason for this is um, because of this renewed interest in artificial intelligence and machine learning, a lot of um, companies have uh, like have started to adopt um, these technologies as well. And yeah. what happens when they start to adopt these technologies? is that they then when they try try to apply these technologies for instance the uh, analytic um, they use analytics to solve a problem or they try to model it as a machine learning problem they tend to understand um, the extent of uh, the data governance issues um, they tend to understand okay my data quality is actually not up to scratch yeah um, it's not consistent it, there's no time timeliness uh, there's no completeness measures so uh, I don't have correct security in place. Um, so all of these problems tend to surface when you actually think start to work with data. And I think I've actually seen some of that as well because companies have started to jump on this uh, bandwagon and then yeah. realize, okay, I don't have the basics. I don't have the hygiene factors. Now I actually have to um, go and look at uh, what data governance is and bring that um, concepts on board as well properly. Okay, true. <laughs> All right. Uh, do you guys have anything else to add to that? Gabriel, Gabriella, do you have anything to add to what um, no, Paul asked no. for? Well, perfect. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, great. So that covers um, our first question. Now let's move on to your question, Gabriella, which is um, after having the data-driven systems, what do you need to improve the existing um, practice? Do you want to give us a bit of, you know, a mm-hmm. background on that and what you mean? By yeah. That? I think it's a bit about what I mentioned earlier about like making this a process and like something continuous and like yeah. continuous optimization. So you can like give a first step and like find like your objectives, have data collection, have like the raw tools, but like how you like step a little bit like further in like making this a decision maker like solution. So I think it's a lot about like the data quality as well, like accuracy, because the moment that you start to make decisions uh, over like some data, it's the moment that if the data is not like uh, reliable, you can be like worse in the problem. So like for me, instead, one of the things that I care more about is like having these really accurate dishes, like small samples or like how to treat it and like be really mindful that this is a, it's better like doing a small scale than do big and be wrong. And other thing is like for me, the continuous learning, as I said, it's like go back like after you do a decision based on the data. Remember to one day get back there and see if you were right or not. So if it's a, a you choose to, I don't know, in, maybe increase the expense to get more revenue. The revenue increased or not? If not, what was like the mistake you made on the assumption? Like what yeah. was that you didn't consider, or there was other variables that was like out of your control and you're not fully like uh, considering it. So I think that of like always like go and back, like discuss with the teams that are the day by day like dealing with the product, the marketing, the logistics teams, like 
that they they know sometimes more variables than us that are a bit like behind the scenes and another thing that's a bit like more uh, out of this but also important for me is like visualization for me data visualization is like a big like key to help the teams to empower themselves so like have like dashboards and things that are easy and friendly to see and take a decision for me is, is a key as well because you start to be someone that empower the other teams to make their own decisions than someone that you know, all the time giving recommendations and it, it like you kind of split a little bit like that responsibility so like as your open said in the beginning making everybody a little bit like a data science and a data analytics is really yeah. important because it's every like role like it could be more analytical and more empowered with the right tools if they can okay just a, a question um posed to you gabriella when you say you know give from um you know a visualization point of view like when you say give the team something that's you know easy to do like are you mm -hmm. referring to the tools or like what are you yeah referring? let's say a dashboard or a yeah. report something more visual let's say like we have a lot of like visualization and yeah. tools that we can use and be a little bit like go out a bit of the data and care a bit with the storytelling as well of the no, data okay. and what you're gonna like deliver at the end so okay. sometimes like a presentation like makes the difference or it's a dashboard and it's super interactive that guide the person of like which kpis they should be looking it helps like i i work with teams that are like really different backgrounds not everybody has the expertise to like download an excel when upload and clean it but they definitely can like see like graphs or like images and like understand from that and like taking decisions that i couldn't in the day by day so you you start to have like one strategy and like everybody following so that's yes. really really nice okay your thoughts opal yeah that's um i i think that's absolutely true um i um i like this um uh, self-analytics uh, that's something that um, i always encourage as well um so being able to uh anybody in the organization being able to actually look at um, either data or visualization and actually uh, make insights out of it real insights that will drive your business decisions or business outcomes is very very powerful for an organization and i think i really you're absolutely right um, if it is um, if we have to deliver it by the way of um, more sort of visual dashboards then that is how we should actually deliver it or uh, if you want to delineate it then we have uh, different segments or different cohorts we could actually deliver uh, these data differently but i think it's definitely something that an organization has to do uh, when they sort of march on this uh, journey of uh, data analytics maturity. maturity. Um, I, I think, um, and you also touched base on this continuous improvement is a, a really large piece. Um, I think you can constantly have to evaluate yourself and see where you stand um, and then figure out, okay, where do I want to go from here as well? That needs to be a conscious decision, conscious evaluation on your end as an organization. Because if you just let, um, if you don't have a strategy and if you just um, ride the tide, so to speak, um, you might actually not end up where you want to end up in. And uh, that can actually be a problem. That's one of the reasons why I 
um, usually see some of these analytics projects failing as well. Um, and I think um, on the same precast as well, um, you always need to adapt to business needs. So if the business needs are changing um, as an organization, even when we have um, a really good data driven system, we might also need to adapt the business changes um, and bis sorry business needs and change our systems as well. Um, and I think the last thing is, um, oh, I, just, I'm just um, speaking as I was actually thinking, um, you uh, asked a question, pertinent question to this, I mean, earlier. Um, yeah. So uh, the, the, the tooling question, um, the time span, the long, longitudinal time span actually gives you time to explore new tools and new technologies as well. Um, sometimes your old tools might actually be outdated by the time you have yeah. implemented the mass systems and yeah. we might have much better, much friendlier, much more efficient new tools as well. So that longitudinal aspect of uh, maturity will actually give you um, time and space to explore new tools and uh, that should also be uh, something that um, as an organization we should look at. Okay. And this is just probably out of you know, but how do you say, for example, you've just joined, you know, Macquarie or you've just joined, you know, Patrick's, how would you guys go about introducing new tools, um, you know, as somebody who is new in the company, um, introducing those to or gradually introducing those tools to people who have been in the company using a certain tool for the past five, six years? Because I think that's, you know, a difficult thing to do. 100%. What I try to do is always to show the impact of this going to bring, especially yeah. like in the day-by-day -day of the person and also like overall to the organization. But I think people tend to like when they see like the impact on what they are doing, like day-by-day, -day, sometimes not even in their normal test, but like, look, if we give this data, like if you use that system, we are going to have the correct data. We can give you a feedback on that taking that decisions that are going to make your life so much easier in the future, just usually like uh, have a good response and like a good feedback yeah. from people. So, and I think even like for like top management and the like owners of the company, usually like that's what also like what's going to be the return is also what like works really well. Yeah. And also like it's a question of make everybody like participating of that process of data analytics because the data analytics for ourselves like doesn't work in anything it's for the others like to take decisions to work better to improve so like is everybody need to be part of that and feel responsible oh okay what your your thoughts there um Upo? i agree i i think it pretty well um what you said gabriel is spot on um it's just um it it's a uh, it's actually a matter of figuring out um, our audience and then tailoring the message to the correct audience um, in the correct way. Um, like you mentioned, um, I think talking about the day-to-day -day activities, how a new tool can actually bring a lot more uh, efficient um, uh, efficiency or more productivity um, might actually be um, a positive message. But if you actually frame it like Gabriel suggested, what is the outcome that um, you're trying to drive? Maybe that'll just um, allow them to finish the things um, or finish their day-to-day -day task faster. And that'll actually give them more time 
to spend on things that they are excited about. Uh, maybe that's framing um, and that might actually be uh, something that could work um, with uh, this introduction of new tools. Not just introduction of new tools, but um, generally introduction of uh, any change as well. Um, yeah. Like Gabriela said, um, change management is really hard, especially uh, because you have a huge um, personal uh, element to it. Um, obviously, um, and naturally, human beings are resistant to changes as well. Yeah. Um, that's how we yeah, are. <laughs> um, so we have to overcome that barrier and uh, for us to overcome that barrier, the uh, the outcome that we drive from that change needs to be uh, sufficiently motivating. Great. Oh, thank you guys for that. <laughs> um, now, let's look at um, our, our last um, question, which was brought forward by yourself, um, again, Upal. And this question is, um, what are the common pitfalls in the data maturity journey and how can they be mitigated do you want to give us you know a bit of a background on 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 that yeah for sure um, I, so we've actually started about how to introduce um the current data science or data analytic strategy to an organization and then we actually talked about uh, once we have that in place how do we actually sort of um, start this maturity journey for uh, data analytics in the organization and then uh, this is actually sort of um, wrapping that up with a bow um, and talking uh, about uh, some common pitfalls that we've all seen organizations make and if we can actually help um, someone avoid these pitfalls, uh, then that might actually uh, be not just appreciated, but that might actually drive uh, quite a lot of value for different individuals and organizations. So that's why I thought um, this might be pertinent to talk about. Okay. Uh, your, your thoughts on that, um, Gabriela? Yeah, I think it's 100% like correct what he was saying, like about like that common mistake that can be like avoided, especially like in the beginning when someone is setting up like a new like way of thinking to like manage like the decisions. Uh, I imagine like you're going to like talk about more like about few of them, but we also mentioned here already like that data curiosity. Uh, how is important. So I imagine like you would be bringing this subject as well, because I think that's what, for me, it's the first thing I think is that like, when do you start at least, like is the data, like your analysis is correct, you can trust on that. Like, so for me, it's really valid the point. And yeah. we'll let you like talk about as well a little bit. <laughs> okay. Um, would, would you have anything to add to that, Upo? Yeah, of course. Um, so from that perspective, I think um, I'll actually talk about a pet peeve of mine as the first uh, sort of common pitfall I've seen. Um, as data scientists um, or data, especially data analysts or data professionals, one of the first things um, or one uh, one of the major things that we struggle with is um, actually showing or measuring or demonstrating the value that we bring to the table, right? Um, so I'll actually give you a personal example. Um, as a data scientist, when I actually started my career, I was actually really interested in trying new models and I was actually sort of looking at the performance measures of the model, for instance, accuracy or area under the curve. And I, I was always aiming for um, like 99% accuracy or 99% area under the curve or whatever, um, a technical measurement. And if the model had that, 
and that was really good for me and i'll um, go to my business stakeholders and yap on and on about okay how good this model is it has 99% accuracy then they would just stare at me and um go what does that mean why why is this important to me um and that's where the key problem is it's hard sometimes for us to actually uh, get in i uh, get out of our shell and uh, sort of um, look at the bigger picture and see okay um this accuracy figure or this performance figure is not isn't that important to the business what is really important to the business is what value for are we driving with this model or with this piece of insight or with this piece of analytics that we are doing and framing it in that way is actually key for you to um ensure the constant uptake of uh, data analytics in your organization because i'll tell you what will happen uh, if we don't do that as well if you keep yapping on about uh, the performance of your model and this and that and technical details um, all is and on technical details are really really important but there is audience for technical details as well if you keep doing this um the business or the organization will think okay we've actually invested millions in data analytics but we haven't actually seen any value why are we doing this uh, do we actually need to do this and the first thing they will do when um, this uh, when we are in a cost restricted environment is they'll cut down funding for analytics for instance because they don't see value in that and um, that's because you actually have not framed it in such a way that you are driving real value so really when you actually look at analytics you need to make sure you frame it as um, not just a cost center but it is a center that drives value to the business real business value real monetary value perfect and it's funny because as i came from a background that was it starts like logistics then i work a lot with marketing I had already that tendency to try to be really simple and show like the value of the business because usually like that's how my career was built of bring like what's the the outcome of everything you're saying because most of the people were not so interested in my correlations in my analysis and how they think like the evolution per year is like uh, that's the the final advice like that's what it means then like how to like wrap it up in a way that everybody can understand and take action was something really important and i also think that one common mistake is like thinking that you understand all the data so for example like the data from finance things from marketing is the other for logistics the other i imagine that in the future that is going to segment a lot and be like specializing each one of them because make it easy so like when you're going to explain and talk with stakeholders you can talk the same language and sometimes they expect for an data analyst to be so like on board of all the business which is quite hard you know we need so i think that that's a science that data scientists do that work really well of like emerge a bit more in the business and bring that more to the surface you know like not like just the experiment the test the science part but like how i'm going to like talk business with all these So that's why I usually start to like study a bit more and like go into that area much more because they have that approach of like is this valuable or not like nothing just for fun is just for like having results like it's really result driven. So yeah I think it's a really common mistake that you say that is really everybody that like numbers has that tendency or like talk <laughs> mathematics and no one understands. <laughs> Completely true.
um i think the other thing um other pet peeve i have and i uh, this sound uh, also is something that i've seen happen in multiple organizations as well um we blindly rely on the data that we have and we don't really do a lot of um, analytics behind how good the data is yeah. um, so this actually ties back to uh, the initial conversation around having correct data governance in place but if that framework is not there and we sort of start a new problem as an organization that is on this data analytics maturity journey um we don't have the correct governance practices in place and then you actually get a data scientist and then they sort of look at your data and they blindly sort of think okay um this data is actually correct so my analysis actually is based on this data um and then you do a, a really good analysis and you um actually uh, present an outcome um a business insight that is um, real and that that could really drive business value um to let's say your executives and then they actually go okay this does not make sense this does not make sense this is not my experience this is not how this works why do you say this this is very counterintuitive and they could be this could be one of two things maybe it's not an apparent uh, pattern that the executives have not seen before in your data um, your analysis is right and your data is correct as well but more than likely um, it is a case where your data is actually wrong while your analysis is right on uh, top of that data because your data is wrong your analysis is also wrong and consequently that insight that you generated i mean the business value you are trying to drive is actually nullified and that's a common mistake i've uh, I, i see too often and i think this is something that we need to avoid so um, if we don't have a correct the data governance practice in place we at least need to do some hygiene factor checks on your data before we start any analysis on top of it because if we don't have the correct data if we can't trust the data then um, the business cannot trust your analysis the old adage still holds true garbage in garbage out so we need to make sure we don't feed garbage into your analysis and uh, for example i thought in something that is really common for like customer satisfaction like the surveys that sometimes yeah, yes. people so, unfortunately just click whatever so you do a massive analysis like over the customer satisfaction correlate what is the LTV of the customer and the return rates and everything and people was not actually even like paying attention to what they were answering there was something that was not in this case might not be the best way to collect the data for example so yeah i always try to pay attention like you uh what is the motivation of someone that is answering a form or if it's like it's someone that is like in the system like feed a lot of informations like uh, how important they know that information is for us at the end So being always getting back is a bit of like a, a hard work to have this. Most of the companies I believe don't have one person responsible for that uh, almost auditory of the data. But yeah. I I think that that's quite important as well and often overseen. Yeah. I was actually trying to think when you were saying that like how often do people actually complete those surveys? Yes. That's a good thing. If you don't give like any reward... If you yeah. have to do, but sometimes they just do for the reward. So they are, <laughs> yeah, so it's like orders. <laughs> Everything's orders. I was about orders. to say, unless they say, 
you get $20 or $30 for each survey you complete. Everybody's just like, nah, time. Five stars. Although I am just best. Yeah, you're absolutely being a really valid point, Rinal. Yeah, um, with these surveys, I think uh, one of the key things that we need to be uh, mindful about is are we getting a representative sample? Um, of uh, your population of users and if we don't if we can't answer that question uh, again uh, if whatever analysis that you do uh, might actually not be complete and that's um, that's the caveat there and that's actually a really good point the part of the statistical uh, sample that's like valid it's really important as well because maybe you can get 10 answers out of that and think it's going to represent a majority of the, even if they, they were like real questions, like real answers, like honest ones. But you have like such a small group that you might have a, a attendance for a group or another. Maybe the people that has an extra motivation to answer might be like tending to have one kind of answer than another. So there's like yeah. a lot of little things. I think that's the, the tricky part and the beauty of all that is try to think the most real world possible, like all the variables, everything that can happen, mistakes, bugs in the system. Sometimes you have like something really weird because there's a bug, like a glitch in the system and all the answers come the same or everything came to zero. Or that things happen and you need to have a really uh, attentive like eye for all that. Yeah. I think um, just to uh, wrap up that uh, conversation and point, I think... uh, the last thing I sort of want to mention is actually coming um, more from um, or wearing my engineering hat a bit more. Um, so a, a frequent problem I see, um, especially when you actually work on machine learning and um, artificial intelligence solutions is that um, we don't actually look at the scalability and the infrastructure challenges. Um, this is actually akin to uh, building um uh, let's say in your home, you actually build a, a really large structure and then you actually want to exhibit it um, to people who are outside of your home. So you actually um, try to take it out, but you can't because your door is la- not large enough. And then you actually have to reconstruct the structure again, uh, take it out of the door and reconstruct it again, just so that you can exhibit it to people. Um, this happens more often than I would actually uh, like to think. Um, we don't really think about... Um, whether uh, your solution is scalable when you're building a solution, whether um, it's actually built on the correct infrastructure, are we actually addressing the uh, functional and non-functional requirements correctly? Um, And it might when the solution is smaller, but um, it it might actually not if the uh, solution needs to ramp up really fast, for instance. Um, let's say you actually built a really good model and that model performs very well, but you actually built a model for um, thousand odd people, but you actually have to ramp ramp it up to a million people, and you'll be uh, you'll be in so much trouble because um, that is not readily apparent on how you can do that, unless you actually wore that engineering hat and had the forethought to design uh, what you're building to be scalable. So scalability should not be an afterthought. It should always be at um, the forefront of this design consultations and conversations as well. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Do you guys have anything else to, to add to that? 
Well, I think that's it. When you you were talking, I was like thinking exactly in the problem of this this scale. You see a lot of solutions like in our day by day. There's like AI driven machine learning, like the recommendations of Netflix, your ads, and everything. And if you imagine that uh, the size that this needs to be needs to be for everybody. So if you construct like a model that like just respond well to like your test group or like or your learning group. And then when you expand, everything goes like totally different, impact a lot, like the results or like the life of people. So there are different like ways to think, like some, some models need to be, for example, magical situations need to be accuracy in the case of be the most strict if something's detected and others are a little bit more loose. So I think it's important to always be understanding like if it's scalable, what is the really critical uh, information that that one you can stake in when you scale and how is go like be really cautious like in that evolution because it is a long journey you know like it's not sometimes not the first model that you apply sometimes you need like we have a lot of like extra work understand all the variables and basically that's it you know it's a, a day by day progress and that's not the way yeah I agree I think um Sort of just wrapping up um, the whole conversation for today, I think my last remarks would be uh, if um, we have to take one thing um, out of these conversations, um, I think for me it was um, essentially um, if an organization really wants to bring a data-driven culture or data analytics into their organization, you really have to um, set your foundations right. You need to figure out what are you aiming to do by bringing the data analytics, data analytics into your organization. And once you have that clarity, everything else can actually fall in its place. Totally true. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank you guys so much for for that. Um, Now, before we conclude um, this, I'd like to thank both of you guys for um, sharing your, your thoughts and, you know, insights. You know, you guys are both the professionals and I learned quite a lot from from both of you guys today so uh, thank you so much um, and once again today um, my guests for today were um, Upul Sinanayak uh, from Macquarie Group as well as Gabriella Ventura from Patrix. Uh, my name is Vinolia and thanks again um, once again to all my guests and, and thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.